Welcome to Triskelion. The announcement went over each plate's cybernet, covering every human, recall, and woven on the Black Citadel. The announcement also played across the public squares that were found in every home, that 45 by 24 centimeter holo frame in every residence that played out governmental messages of importance. Please be aware that increased use of the gravitic rods on all plates will be in effect as the Science Academy completes their end-of-the-year health check. Expect some increased in temporary noise levels and seismic activity not to exceed 1.2 Richters and is not expected to last longer than 5 to 7 seconds. These tests are expected to run through the end of the second autumnal season. Thank you for your patience. The message would repeat in every home until acknowledged. Triskelion number 19, Slop Job. I woke to white hot light, but it was only in my mind. Where had Jack taken us? Rows of desks and people on the far side talking to civil servants ensconced behind the desks. I looked down to see my Jack's IO card on the desk. I reached down to pick it up. That card held all his information and access to all his storage types. A large, furry hand quickly covered mine. Mr. Smith, you may be a ward of the state, but coming in and wasting my time with baseless accusations against the chief scientist is called, well, it's called being a pain in the ass. You're old enough now. I shouldn't have to call your ward to come to pick you up. I grabbed the card from the proffered woven paw. This was so different from sharing a mind with Sam. My mind now controlled the hand muscles. I felt no presence of Jack within my consciousness. Whereas with Sam, his mind had always been at the tip, tickling at the edge of my internal monologue. I forced Jack's mouth to curl into a friendly smile and intoned, I apologize, officer. My heart had started to race. Jack's heart. Instinctively, the mention of his ward, Jim, caused this body to go into a flight mode. Had Jim taken me here? We had no control over who ruled consciousness while the other slept, so I couldn't very well ask Jack Paul. The question echoed in my mind, but found no answer. Sam and I, it seemed like an eternity ago, had been the result of a carefully planned operation. Four years of planning and a stream of neurologists, surgeons, and psychologists working with us. On the other hand, Jack and I were a slop job. We just shoved a tube in his soft palate and hit the puree button on the blender. No wonder we had constant headaches. No wonder our consciousness alternated. This was more like multiple personality disorder than a pilot and co-pilot scenario. Still, I had kaleidoscopic access to his memories, but the more I attempted to access Jack's memories, the more tired I became, and my time as a conscious entity was dramatically shortened before Jack would have to take over. His memories of his time with Jim were particularly painful. His old man had been asleep when I had brought us back to his apartment after the joining. The officer snapped my attention to him. He was well-muscled, like all in the enforcement branch of the civil service. His arms probably had a six-inch reach on me. He said, Mr. Smith, 
I won't put anything on your record this time. No more nonsense. Okay, son? We're pretty busy up here. With that, he ignored me, and I left. I was already getting a bit of darkness around the edges of my vision. Daytime was now dusk to me, despite the artificial suns in Platform 4's noon sky. This area, in particular, had wide streets for dual transports and plenty of pedrails. Angular black buildings caught the artificial suns and absorbed and gently reflected the light onto the streets in pastels that slowly changed with each hour. Darkness continued to grow around my field of vision. Still, I could definitely hear the gravitic rods groaning underneath the city. Zero Squared was pulling energy out of them just below their red line. I might be the only person besides her who realized that. More importantly, that officer had mentioned the title Chief Scientist inside a government building. Well, if Zero Squared was looking for us, that would tip her off. Search programs scour for patterns, a name, or a title. If I were Zero Squared, and I am to a degree, I would be reviewing logs that had any mention of Chief Scientist and cross-indexing them with the site of the theft. This building was close to the lab, and Jim's hovel was even closer. That would be enough of a hit for me to investigate if I were her. Time was running out on us in so many ways. But maybe Zero Square didn't give a rat's posterior about us. I mean, she was planning on leaving this reality behind in two weeks anyway. No. I knew she was an indictive. I don't know how or why, but getting us would be a matter of pride. Or wiping us out. Either would do for her. By the time I reached the entrance to Jim's squalid apartment, darkness had clouded over my vision almost entirely. I had to feel my way down the tenement hallway using Jack Paul's memories. My head started throbbing. This flabby body was also tiring me out. I woke to white-hot light, but it was only in my mind. I stood just outside of Jim's apartment. I was more than ready. I had it all all the military training of Samuel de Griffith. Zero had all the muscle memory programmed throughout my body. I batted at the air. My fists were like lightning strikes. Sure, I had soft arms and I was scared of Jim, but there was no denying it. My nerves were on fire, and my muscles were snap-focused on where I wanted them to go. I had never felt so strong. After jamming 013268 slurry into my head, my relationship with my body had metamorphosized, and I was ready to take full advantage. I opened the door and I heard him fumbling around in the kitchen. Jim called out to me, uh, You're back, eh? I saw you grab my electronics and shoved them in your room. I don't care what you got them for, Jack. I'll need them back and in working order for my shift tomorrow. Jim came out of the kitchen two inches taller, 50 pounds fatter, 30 years older, with a balding head and a salt and pepper scraggly beard. He was heading straight to me with that intimidating gait of his that he knew put the fear of the devil in me. I was hyperventilating. I thought I should say something, let him know why I was going to beat the snot out of him. My whole body felt supercharged. It even seemed like I had a new set of eyes. I could tell now how sloppy Jim walked, how he was slightly off balance at the end of his strides, shuffling more like it. He wasn't intimidating at all, really. 
getting the super AI bolted onto my brain was the best thing ever. I was like a superhero. His pasty arms were akimbo and his stupid angry face was wide open for a centerline chain punch. He had no idea. My fist rocketed out and twisted in an explosion of energy. Sure, it was my flabby arm, but it was Samuel de Griffith's training and knowledge. I caught both his nose and mouth with my fist. He took a step back to steady himself. His mouth turned into a bloody oval of surprise as he attempted to suck air through his bloody broken nose. How do you like it, I crowed. I kept change punching his mouth and moving forward, the exact same spot, right, left, right. On the third punch, I felt his front teeth give way and I cut my knuckle on one of his broken teeth. Jim turned aside, stumbled, and fell to his knees, gasping. He hadn't even tried to throw a punch. He didn't even have a chance against the new me. My forward punches had kept me with him as he had stumbled back into his knees. Now his wobbling head was right in front of me as he braced himself on the armrest of the couch. <laughs> he actually flinched as I stepped over him. That was satisfying. I called back over my shoulder. You want to call that in? I got a chipped molar. I'd be happy to show them, Ward Jim. He garbled words out of his broken mouth. Sorry, so sorry, Jackie. I stepped into the bathroom and slathered on some cream for my bleeding knuckle. The microbots made the cream sizzle for a little bit as they killed any nastiness from Jim and knit skin on my knuckle back together. After a minute, the cream turned from a chalky white to a pasty blue to show the cream had done its work. I wiped it off, and there was only a hint of a white scar on my knuckle. Too bad I couldn't put it on my tooth. But then Jim would be able to fix himself up, too. And I wanted him to suffer a bit. So, all's well that ends with his broken face. I stepped over Jim's piles of crap, old plates, cat beds, barely used exercise equipment on my way to my bedroom. At my desk, I saw all the electronic crap 013268 had managed to pull together. I yawned. The adrenaline was washing out of me fast. There were quantum replicator coils that I recognized, and data fibers and gel packs of neural tissue that I really didn't. She was definitely in the process of hot-rodding my student computer. I could access 013268's memories, but unlike the muscle memories, I couldn't understand how to code or assemble this technology. I had wanted root access. I was still on a high from beating up Jim, and for a moment I felt maybe I could do without root access after all. Since I don't care about Jim anymore, maybe there's an easier way to get mine. Oh, the migraines started returning. Again. Ever since I jammed that slurry in my head, migraines. It hurts. It hurts. The more I used her stuff, the quicker the migraines came in me. Thinking about the cyber crap must have tilted me over the edge. I couldn't see anything. I closed my eyes to block out the throbbing in my head. I woke to white-hot light, but it was only in my mind. I don't know what Jack had been up to, but this body was sore. My neck was cramped. I'd strained a muscle in my shoulder. Had he taken up working out? I was hungry, different than with Sam, more piercing. The urge was more demanding. It was less about tastes and more about filling me up. With Sam, it had been veiled, and now I needed to eat. It was uncomfortable. 
Jim fidgeted on the couch. For a moment, I thought he was going to face me, but he continued with whatever holovid he was watching. He looked sullen and alone sitting there with his whiskey bottle on the table in front of him, and, and a dried, bloody napkin next to it. I ignored him and made my way to the kitchen. I knew Jack and Jim had issues, but now wasn't the time. I couldn't wait for Jack to pull it together. I scarfed down a tube of Limona paste for dinner, as I didn't want to waste time fixing a meal, and dumped the empty nutrition tube in the trash. I grabbed a canister of water to take with me back to Jack's room. A whale-like moan sounded through the room. The building. The city. It thrummed deep in the bones. I said almost instinctively, the rods. Jim had gotten up, opened the window, peering onto the city street. There had been a wind scheduled, and his dried bloody napkins tumbled off the table and flew about the room for a moment. Zero Squared wanted off of the Black Hole Citadel when there was nowhere else to go, nowhere else to go in this universe. She was charging up her colossal batteries with energy from the rods in preparation for a physical change that would make the dimensions part for a moment and, incidentally, unleash a wave of destruction across the Citadel. The rumbling and the groaning was only the beginning. I assembled the remaining equipment. There was already a dark halo at the edges of my vision. It was too soon. Jack Paul was grabbing a greater and greater share of our conscious time. Had it even been three hours? It was hard to have a sense of time assembling and coding together with the interface for cybernetics, but it was ready now. I had to fight the urge to sleep. Zero squared had to be stopped. I had wanted to gather evidence but a raid of her equipment code would be quicker. I applied the gel contacts to Jack's temples. I wasn't quite sure what would happen. Would Jack or I manifest in cyberspace? Or would both of us? This mission could be a bust before it even started. The door opened. The dark halo that had been growing around my vision had disappeared. Apparently within cyberspace, Jack couldn't push into the fore and since I had not snapped back, Jack had not woken in reality and peeled off the gel tags. Cyberspace could take many forms depending on the foundational program you had to work with, such as the limited scope of MMORPGs. But those were physically constrained spaces. Out on the perimeter in Freeverse, you had to build your own foundation before diving into the information stream and visiting or invading another's cybernetic foundation. A direct assault on Zero Squared's lab was out of the question. But there were other ways. I just needed some luck. I had always liked doors. Old-style doors, heavy oak, cedar, steel doors, or doors with locks. The symbolism was simple and lightweight, and the backdrop was sparse. Actually, except for the door, there was no cyberspace backdrop at all, so you could see the Freeverse as the backdrop. The Freeverse was a simulacrum of our arm of the Milky Way, where each light was a node of varying size. Many people couldn't exist on the Freeverse side of cyberspace, or not without supercomputers and AI shepherding them. Most could not hit a node. They'd experience the illusion of falling or be unable to manifest commands. The ratio of space to stars in the simulacrum, as in reality, was very, very large. I suppose a lot of it has to do with how Sam and I were created to work together. I was born in cyberspace, after all. An azure oak door appeared and swung open. The door had a seven on it. Curlicues, fanciful like a Tolkien elf, had scratched it on the door. 
Doors within doors started to appear. Multicolored pathways spawned from where my feet would be if I were actually in space. There were other doors at varying distances, but Lucky Seven was practically in front of my face. I stepped through. Within Seven were five more doors of various colors and shapes, each with a number on them. One, two, six, and eight. And the final door, black steel, bolted and chained to nothingness. I knew who that door belonged to. It thrummed and pulsed. Doors two, six, and eight were at various stages of being opened which meant that any data revealed here would also go into those areas. Door one was closed, but did not have the elaborate chains that bound the zero-squared door. Door one had a glow, a soft white light that illumined who I supposed to be 07268. Where do you think you are going, young lady? A surprisingly matronly voice sprung from an elvish woman, 07268 obviously, or or someone pretending to be her in this cyberspace. She was wearing a satin-like deep blue dress, very dramatic. As she spoke, her hair shifted from long and flowing black tresses to a tight gray-haired bun. Crow's feet appeared around her eyes and she became stooped. I said, opposing me seems to put you out of sorts. I have to stop Zero Squared. Aid me, inform me, or step aside. Suddenly, I found myself looking up at her. Apparently, the imaging effect goes both ways. I wasn't as strong or immune as I had hoped. I stood and looked up at her from my child's body. The now old lady in blue, 07268, said, I say again, child, if I can warp your cybernautica this easily, how do you think you, or I, she said, looking at the liver spots on her hands, how would we fare against her? Well, no matter. Seeing is believing. She waved her hand as if she were a crone witch, and a door appeared, a plain brown tenement door with a stenciled number 12 on it. It swung open easily. An icy cold wind poured from the door. I knew back in the real world, Jack's skin was breaking out in goosebumps. 07268 said, what do you sense from 012268's presence, child? The throwing from the black door deepened and pulsed. I said nothing. I didn't need them to tell me more, and I wasn't ignorant enough to approach that sucking wind. That entire cybernetic space, 12, was nothing more than a trap, a sticky node to render anyone within it immobile, and the 12, the promise of the intellect of 12, and the data mine in 12 was nothing but a Venus flytrap. Whatever happened to 12? I asked. Where is she? Like a metronome turned up, the pulsing from the black door quickened. I felt the pull and almost took a step, a symbolic gesture that meant the data that comprised me, my sense of self, was at risk. 07268 wheezed and said, We are out of time. If we knew where you would enter in cyberspace, don't you think Zero Squared has figured it out? The same improvements she has done over 300 years to drive herself crazy have made her mistress of the Citadel's freeverse. The name itself is a lie now. Any cybernaut entering freeverse is actually under her set of rules composed in the background. We don't feel it yet. 
because you haven't triggered them yet. And Zero One has figured out how to cordon off slices of Freeverse temporarily, which we are enjoying right now. But let me emphasize, and with a knobby finger, she pointed at the black door that was now bulging outward as if the steel were elastoplasticine. We were rats scurrying inside her maze. Zero squared is the one wearing the lab coat. Darling, you have got to run. I was reduced to the size of a four-year-old, and the thrumming was so deep and deeply moving that tears sprawled down my tender, childish face. But, but Zero squared, her voice now all gravel and rocks grinding together. Yes, she is going to blow up the Citadel, but you, you can do nothing about it with cyberspace. She owned it decades ago. Cyberspace is just a trap for you, for us. I backed my way through door seven. I couldn't have gone forward had I wanted to. All those commands were blanked out from my mind, either imposed by the general commands of Zero Squared's phony freeverse, or imposed by Zero One's temporary staking of this slice of cyberspace. I had been completely outmaneuvered. The thrumming grew instant and loud, like the whale groan of the gravitic rod. That sound that I had heard in the real world, it was no coincidence. Go. Go. No, you are not alone, child. The chains on the black door shattered. Flying metal tore through my face. I stumbled back out of the door and triggered the escape command over and over and over in a mad panic. I pulled off the gel caps from Jack's temples. My vision was very dark. Halos surrounded my eyes. I had been in cyberspace some time and Jack was now reasserting. I downloaded the data on Jack's rudimentary tablet that I had gathered from the streams that had been blowing from their doors. We now had all the information we needed to attempt a real-world raid on her lab. It would be possible to choke off the link between the rods and her lab. 07268 had given me a plan, a plan to take the place of a futile raid in cyberspace. I breathed out my anxiety and let the darkness grab me. I woke to white-hot light, but it was only in my mind. I couldn't move my arms. Jack, what did you do? How long have I been out? I turned and saw Jim in the far living room, and two men in Jack's room with me. One wore a civil servant's uniform with one hash mark. He was a young man with probably less than five years in the service. The older man was different. He had on the tails and cravat that the power businessmen wore these days. His silver-white hair lied about his age, saying only that he was over 70 but looked 50. That one, that one had a smile. He had small medals and cluster leaves I knew all too well. After all, I had designed them. Awards of service to the Science Academy, which had been mined 300 years ago, which I had founded with Goober, but this man was obviously no friend of mine. I looked at the tablet screen that was on the table. Jack had left it on for me, knowing that I would see it when I woke. As I read, Jack's voice echoed in my mind, like the dead Sam once had spoken directly to me. 
You know, 013268, your break-in was a slop job. It's because you're sick. And I couldn't see that until I let you in me. Maybe it was because I was prejudiced against AIs. Maybe I thought AIs were too crude to be sick. But now I know you think like a living person. To me, that means you can experience and be affected by trauma like a living person. I can't say I'm not grateful to you. You've given me opportunities I would never have had without you. But this slop job was traumatic for both of us. 013268, no one's going to blow up our world. And there's no such thing as alternate realities or other dimensions. Zero Squared is famous as our Citadel's chief scientist and advisor. Why would she do anything to hurt us? People who are sick always fixate on famous people and end-of-the-world scenarios. Zero thirteen two sixty eight. everything's going to be all right. I reached out to her for help. She said she can safely put you back and cure you of these paranoid fantasies. She can correct your programming. She's a good person, and she'll properly house you. Don't worry, you won't be a suitcase. I... I wanted to cry. Sure enough, the tears were streaming down my face. And even in my own mind, I had always heard the electronic echo in my voice, the humanity that I had enjoyed for such a short time. My arms were bound by a straitjacket, and I couldn't wipe my own tears away. My nose was dripping. Weird. It made me think of how messy the jack had it right, how messy the slop job had been. I looked up. The older man grinned and slowly shook his head as he held up the suitcase. They must have retrieved it from the ductway. He looked with pity. That wasn't compassion, rather masked pride. Looked at me as I struggled uselessly in the straitjacket. He grinned and said, What can you say about the young? A stack of money makes anything sound plausible, dear, and probable and true. Time to go back in here, 013268. You had a good run. Chief Scientist will be glad to get you back. From the living room, I heard Jim call out to me. He must have thought I was still Jack. Jackie, I had nothing to do with this boy. I'll call the protectorate. We'll get you. The older man simply turned around and talked over him. I'll be returning your precious Jack Paul to you, Mr. Smith. If you want to keep the credits deposited in both your accounts. Jim abruptly shut up and sank down onto his slop-stained couch. Jameson, the older man said. The young officer, sandy brown hair, held a neck clamp. I felt it pinch as he fitted it on me. He tapped the controller, and I stood up immediately and positioned myself behind him. After all these years, the dogfights, the journeys, I'm finally finished. I'm just the unlucky 13th copy. As if to punctuate it, the room thundered and quaked and Zero Squared pushed the extraction across the red lines. Looks like a lot of people will be joining me at the end. End of Slop Job, Chapter 5 of Flesh of My Flesh.